0: Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top Podcast. This is episode five hundred and fifty-seven for the thirteenth of Sivan in a regular year. So we are still in the relatively early portion, the beginning portion of this section of the Tanya known as the Shar HaYechad Vayamunah, the Gate of Unity and Faith. And as mentioned previously, the first portion of the Tanya, Liguteh Marim, which we finished a few episodes ago, really focused on the human soul, on the Jewish soul in particular, and on the makeup of our souls and how this relates to our service of God. Now in this new section of the Tanya, the focus really becomes on God himself, on the creator, on our understanding to the best of our ability, who the creator is, who God is, and what that means in terms of our worlds and the world that we live in. So it's a little bit more like philosophical in nature in that sense. And what's really tricky about this section is because the more we learn about God, the more we can really see how much, how little we can understand who God really is. So it's come up before in terms of defining God and, and how we perceive God and what God is. And what is God? God is is God, this old man in the sky with a long beard looking down on the world with benevolent eyes. Like we know that that's kind of like a childish rendition of God. So we know that we use different terms to define God. We There's actually many different names that we use for God in Judaism, each one that's descriptive in nature of a different aspect of who God is. So we also, even in English, we say that God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all of these things. But really, truly, all of these terms, all of these names, as we'll learn and as we'll begin to understand, don't really truly define God in any ultimate sense. So in searching for a quote unquote kind of definition of God or an understanding of God, one term that's often thrown around, and this is sort of alluded to in this like omniscient, omnipotent, omni whatever it is, is like when we say like all knowing, all powerful, all whatever, is it sort of hints at the limitless nature of God, talking about how unlimited God is. And that seems to be something that like most people can say like, okay, we, we can't really like now, God down to one particular trait. Like we can't say that God is just kindness. We can't really say that God is just the creator. We can't really say that God is just forgiving or just all powerful. Like these terms really are sort of like they they, they kind of, we kind of get the sense that they, they're only spe- speaking to a specific portion of God. So then what we can really say is that God is not limited, right? God can be all of these things. So that's what we're going to really focus on today, and we're going to kind of bring like a little bit of like a like an exception to the rule, even in terms of God's limitlessness. So how even when we say that God is limitless, how this too places a limitation on God, and this too is something which uh, which limits our understanding of God of who God is, and our Our understanding of what God is capable of. And the reason why we're bringing all this up and to bring it into context and why it's so essential for us to know this is in terms of our discussion about the world and in terms of our discussion about how it is that the world has an independent existence of its own, or at least it seems to have an independent existence of its own. Because in The beginning of this section of the Tanya, and really we spoke about this even earlier on in Likuta Marim, this idea about how it is that truly ultimately at the most fundamental level of creation, there is nothing but godliness. And godliness is the essential makeup of everything in the world. And that everything in the world is totally and utterly dependent upon God, specifically God's speech for keeping it in existence, something from nothing at all time. So the beginning of this section of this, Haniye, the of the Shari Chut began with this point, where the Altar of it demonstrated that in the Shema prayer, we're told to pl- plant it into our hearts that God is God, and in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is n- no other. And we explain that this doesn't mean this on the simple sense, which it sounds like it means that there is no other God, but it's to say that there is nothing other than God. So really, God is truly the only true reality. So then the, the big question that comes up with this, and this is what the altar of it has brought up several times already, is if this is true, that everything truly is godliness and nothing truly has its own independent existence, how am I able to say these words? How are you able to hear these words? Why do we feel like we have our own independent existence? We, we see that it's really, we're left with this like really weird paradox where it's like on the one hand, we say that there is nothing about God. But on the other hand, we see very clearly that in the Torah, which was written by God, and we know that the Torah and God are one, the Torah begins with a passage that says, God created the heavens and the earth, which means that something happens. There was some kind of creation. There is some kind of creation. There is some kind of something other than God, or at least this is how we perceive things to be. So how is this possible? And so in this Tanya right now, in this section, this is the point that we that that the Ultrap is coming to address. This is the question that he's coming to answer. And the way that he's gonna that he answers this question is in this very point of understanding that as much as we say that God is unlimited and God is beyond limits, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and with all this means that he has this ability to create anything, do anything. There's also another element of God, which is just as amazing, if not more amazing than all of these very expansive abilities that God has. And that's his ability to limit himself. And that's his ability to hide himself, constrain himself. So it's like, there's like that famous question of, can God create a rock that's too big for him to move? I think that's like the famous philosophical question. And this is kind of like the question that that the altar is bringing up here, is this exact point. And that what we'll learn is that in a sense, yes, God is so great that he can actually create a, a rock that he can't move, so to speak. So, well, it's it's a little tricky, the answer to this, because it's, it's, it's not so simple, <laughs> as we'll learn. But um, this is the basic point that's going to be addressed. So it's kind of like spoiler alert of what it is that we're learning about here and what we're kind of like walking, like uh, dancing around. The concept that we're dancing around in this discussion is the the, the concept of tzimtzum. This is a very, very big topic in Hasidah. a big topic in Kabbalah. There are actually many different theory, many different opinions throughout Kabbalah as to what the tzimtzum means. The tzimtzum is the contraction of God's power. And was it literal? Did it happen within God? Did it happen just within his light? Did it happen just in our, in terms of our perception, all of these things. But that that's the basic answer to all of this, is this concept of symptom. So today, the altar is going to introduce us to this concept of symptom. symptom. And he's going to lead us there by really making us recognize these different terms that we use to relate to God in our prayers and in our discussions about God. The different attributes we give to God and and what they mean and how some of these attributes allude to God's expansiveness, God's unlimitedness, quote-unquote, like in the traditional way that we think of it. And this is specifically epitomized in the way that we call God being great. There's also another aspect of godliness that we also address in our prayers and in our references to God. And this is an allusion to God's ability to constrain himself, to limit himself. And that's in Hebrew, that is what we say when we say, when we allude to God's gvora, God's mightiness, which you've been, if you've been following along, is interesting because the attribute of gvora is on the left side in terms of the makeup of the the spheros. And that left side is the is the aspect of restraint, of holding back. So let's get into the text and see how the altar Rebbe breaks all of this down. So here we go. Yesterday we left off uh, really focusing on this attribute of God's greatness on the attribute of of the gudula of God the uh, how hashem is the greatness and how we talked about that what this really means is that god is in his greatness he creates the world like this is his attribute of chasad this is his attribute of giving of expansiveness and that the nature of something which is which is a like a giving person or a giving entity wants to give wants to influence others and that's where the attribute of that's where the ability of god to create the world comes from is his attribute of greatness And so now the ultra epic goes on and he says that just like we say, we, we praise God in this way when we call him great, because we understand that no human being can create something from nothing and vivify things in the way that God can, right? And so that's what we specifically mean when we're alluding to God's greatness is we're saying we recognize how great God is, that he's unique in the sense that he is the only one that can truly create something from nothing and vivify this thing. And the ultraverse says that this attribute, this ability of God to be able to create something from nothing and vivify his creation is something which is above our intellectual capacities as creations to really understand. So it's like we can talk about it. We can talk about how God creates the world something from nothing, but it's not something that we can really relate to. It's not something that we can truly, if we're honest with ourselves, say that we can understand because this is something which is above the intellect of created beings. And, this, and the reason why is because this comes from the attribute of God's greatness, God's gedula. And the Zohar teaches us that God and his attributes are united in a simple unity with, with an achdut pashut, as it's called in Hebrew, a simple unity. And in the Zohar, it's the way it's written in Aramaic is that he and his attributes are one. And so now, says the Alter Abed, that just like we can't understand as created beings, God's greatness, which again, if we wanted to define what we mean by God's greatness is God's ability to create something from nothing and to vivify the, that thing which he's creating, as is written in Tehillim, chapter 89, verse 3, Olam chesed the world was created through the attribute of kindness. So again, this, this ability, this expansive nature of God, God's greatness is this giving is this uh, is this creation, something from nothing. So the same way that we can't understand this truly in our mind, so too can we not understand another attribute of God, which is what is that other attribute of God? God's gvora, God's mightiness. So if we say that God's greatness, God's gdullah, is synonymous with God's ability to create and to bring things into being, something from nothing, then what is God's gvora god's mightiness synonymous this is synonymous with another term which i mentioned in the intro which is god's ability to let some sim to constrict himself so this attribute of symptom so what is symptom symptom is the yeah it's the ability to constrict his influence to constrict this vitality so it's like on the one hand god is creating the world and this is He's influencing the world, and this is his level, his attribute of his gedula, his greatness. But then in this like influencing of the world, then he also needs to constrain himself. And this ability to constrain himself, this is coming from his attribute of gavura. So that in the process of creating and vivifying these different creations that God creates, he holds himself back from coming down and revealing himself to these created beings in a revealed way. So rather than do it in a revealed way, God does it in a way of hiddenness, of hiding his face so that the vitality that's within them is hidden within the body of these created beings. And it makes it seem as if the body of the created being itself is something of its own right and is not coming in a, uh, from the influence of this vitality, of this, this spiritual vitality. Like we see like in the case of like sunlight that we we all know that sunlight is coming from the sun, but rather it appears to us. So it doesn't appear to us that created beings are coming directly from their source, but it actually appears to us that we are things in and of ourselves. And even though this isn't, this is truly not the case, so we've been learning this for a while, that we don't actually have an independent existence of our own, but rather we do fit more the analogy of the sun, that we are like those rays of the sunlight that are coming out of the sun. Nevertheless, this attribute of God's gevorah, God's mightiness, is this ability that he has to constrict himself, to some sem this chayut, this the spiritual vitality which comes from the spirit of his mouth and hide it so that the body of these created beings will not nullify in their source so that they won't just disappear. So that, because again, when we go back to that analogy of the sun, we talked about that if we were to shine the rays of sunlight back into their source, they would no longer have an existence of their own. And we know that we are in our source. We're not separate from our source the way the rays of the sunlight are separate from the sun itself. So the way that it makes it, God makes it so that we don't disappear because we're in our source, the way the rays of the sunlight would disappear is that he constricts his light and he hides himself. And if your brain is kind of getting a little messy right now, that's actually totally normal because the ultrarevis tells us here that this is not something that we can actually understand we can't this is beyond our our the human minds to really understand this concept of the symptom, this concept of the hiddenness the the concealment. Yet nevertheless, this is the true reality, even though we can't really understand it and with our human minds. The reality is that every created being was created something from nothing. And this lack of ability that we have to really understand this process, to understand God's concealments, the way that he could conceal himself to such an extent uh, that that we can feel ourselves to be independent beings on our own, God's ability to limit himself, this ability is something that is so far from our understanding and our ability to comprehend just like we the, we can't understand this to the same extent that we can't understand God's ability to create. So to put that, maybe that was a little complicated the way I explained it, but to put that in other words is basically God's ability to restrain himself is just as amazing as God's ability to reveal himself. So we focused a lot in previous episodes about God's amazing ability to create the world and to create things, something from nothing. And how this is something that only God can do is to create something from nothing and really make something into a true and proper creation, and that the whole world is dependent upon God's vitality at all times. And this is very amazing. And we really, it's so amazing, in fact, that it's not something we can actually understand with our human minds, the extent of what this means. So too, is it equally amazing to understand how much God conceals himself and constrains himself in order for there to exists something apart from him. So that was, that's it for today. So these are some really, really deep concepts. And I know, and it, again, if you're feeling kind of confused and you're not quite getting it, that's actually a good sign because the Ultra has taught us that these concepts are beyond our understanding and are be, are beyond our ability to comprehend. So then the, so, so it's like, why are we learning this, right? So it's like, we we should learn these things because we're supposed to use our mind to the oh at most to try to understand these concepts to the best of our ability and if infuse our minds with these godly ideas even if they're not quite in our comprehension even if we can't ever actually grasp them that should not stop us from trying to achieve that level because it's not necessarily about the goal of ultimately getting there and ultimately understanding it so much as developing an appreciation for how much it is that we don't know and for really expanding the limits of our minds in this way of trying to get there as much as we can so that's it for today and we will continue tomorrow when we conclude this chapter and i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarid switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben ben cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana